Hello, welcome to Fulhamish Podcast, your weekly roundup of everything to do with Fulham FC. Thank you for downloading this episode. My name is Sammy James, and it was April Fool's Day on Saturday. And tonight I'm joined by the three biggest jokers around Ben Jarman, <laughs> Jack Collins, and Farrell Munger here. How are you all doing? You're being Hello, very listeners. Kind to us. <laughs> Get out of my catchphrases. <laughs> Hello, listeners. Uh, Richard Bamber Jack has asked if you can change it to Hello, ladies, instead of Hello, listeners. I'm leaving that one to Farrell. Go on, lad. Uh, I don't think it would sound so sexy coming from my face. <laughs> London Irish Whites. Anyway, <laughs> Fulham played one hell of a trick on Saturday after lurking outside of the playoffs the entire season pretty much with seven games to go. We finally leapfrogged Sheffield Wednesday into the playoffs after a 1-0 victory against Rotherham and a little help from our friend Angus McDonald up at Barnsley in the South Yorkshire derby. We'll be discussing Saturday's win against Rotherham, which relegated them to League One. And also looking at Sheffield Wednesday in focus, we're going to be speaking to Chris Holt, who is a Sheffield Wednesday journo for the Sheffield Star, a little bit later to get his perspective. And also we'll be looking at the upcoming derby and Ipswich games and then answering your questions at the end. But Jack, some three-word reviews, please, to uh, get us started off from Saturday's win at Rotherham. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Maxine Thurston's Let's Do This. Okay. She's, uh, she's really up for it. Very positive, Maxine. Was that before or after the game? I think. <laughs> Is that know, after I, hearing your hello, ladies? Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, <laughs> Harry Lee says smash and grab. I was, you know, man like a Luco from Carl Kent. Which one? That one's for Ben. And I like that will do from David Wellington, who, you know, who pretty much sums it up on a plate, really, doesn't he? That will do. I liked the one that said Wembley, Wembley, Wembley. That was a good one. Capital letters for the final Wembley, I believe, that one as well, wasn't it? Was. It was. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, they all count. Well, it was a scraptacular victory against Rotherham away at the New York Stadium. Credit to that one for Jeff Proust on Twitter. I like that word, scraptacular. Uh, with Sonny Aluko's second-half bundle enough to claim us the three points uh, on Saturday. Michael Maldor was back in the side for Tim Ream, presumably uh, with the latter playing late on Wednesday night in the USA. Martin also came into the side. First time he's played 90 minutes uh, since Burton away. Uh, ben, I'll start with you. Uh, not the prettiest of victories we'll see this season. In fact, that's been the theme uh, both times we played Rotherham this season. Neither of them were particularly wonderful uh, victories, but we got the job done and that's what we failed to do against Blackburn and Wolves, so it makes a nice change. Yeah, it's a good result for us and it pushes us into top six, as we've already spoken about. Um, but I just think yeah, Rotherham was just trying to prove a point, weren't they, in front of their fans, trying to put up a good show before the inevitable really happened. And I think over the course of the two games we've played against them, um, they haven't looked actually as bad as I thought they would. And Sonny Aluko said the same thing on Instagram this week and um, highlighted their left-back, um, Fisher, said that he was actually quite a tough opponent to play against. So you can see them probably bouncing up again next season. Um, but yeah, we got the job done, finally. And we're finally in the playoffs and we've stopped bottling in it now. Uh, Jack, Michael Muddle was back in the side for Tim Ream. Uh, we had lots of discussion, especially on last week's podcast. I think it was Owen who came on, who was particularly uh, not a big fan of Tim Ream. Yeah. Uh, what difference do you think he made at centre-back? It seemed slightly more assured at the back, although Rotherham had their chances. Rotherham did have their chances, and it wasn't by any means a shutout in terms of you know closing opposition down. That said, there was a clean sheet at the end of it, and, you know... You know, it's hard to put something like that into into context if it's just people being wasteful with their chances. But, you know, there were a few opportunities that were, were spurned. But 
you know, for the most part, it seemed to be a game of very few chances at, at either end, really. And I think that one of my favourite things is, and you were pointing this out earlier, Sammy, the highlights package for Sky Sports has a, a red screen for the first sort of 10, 15 seconds of the, the package. And that's genuinely due to a lack of, you know, goal mouth action. And I've seen it done before in a, in one of the QPR games earlier this season. So I think the fact that there was not that much going on at either end has got to be something to be said for our, our centre-back pairing. So, you know, will Slavisa tinker with that for Derby? Maybe, you know, but why would you change it if it ain't broke? Interesting that you mentioned that there weren't enough highlights. I remember uh, back in the Premier League days, I think it might have been away at St Andrews. Um, both mm. teams were fighting relegation, as you'd imagine. And I think it was one of the first times ever that Match of the Day didn't show any first-half highlights. In fact, <laughs> Gary Lineker had to say, look, guys, we don't have anything for the first half. So um, here's the commentator and we're going straight into the second half because there's absolutely nothing that happened there was a there was a game in league two once a few years ago and their official highlights package was the referee blowing the whistle to start the game and then the referee blowing the whistle to end the game and that was the official highlights Mm. package it might have been someone like Leighton Orin or Dagenham Redbridge it's Yeovil I think oh really (laughs) (laughs) Um, Farrell obviously it was a difficult one going away to Rotherham to battle a side that have you know have had so many defeats this season. I think actually, so they've lost thirty games in the league now, and the football league record, at least the championship record, is thirty four. But still, it's always difficult coming up against a side that just are fighting the inevitable. So it could have been a banana skin on Saturday. Yeah, we've obviously had a few banana skins that uh, we've had over the past few weeks. Um, we always see teams now uh, again and again who, once the the inevitable is happening, as you said, that the pressure is off and they start to sort of play a bit better. We saw it when Fulham got, um, in the season we got relegated. We're playing, when we played Crystal Palace the last game of the season, all the pressure was off and they were a high-flying team at the time and we gave them a really good game. We got a last-minute equaliser, but I distinctly remember that we probably should have won that game with uh, even a weakened team. So I remember at that time there was a lot of people after the game going, you know what, this is actually pretty good. Um, We've obviously got a lot of uh, good players out there. They more than matched a Premier League team. Not to get drawn onto that. Um, Can you remember the last time we actually did relegate a team? I feel like it hasn't happened for a long time. Or vice versa, where a team's like won the league or got promotion against us. The last one, I think, was when we relegated Derby when we drew with them 2 all. Did we relegate them? Yeah, We're oh. in similar circumstances where they probably got well, they got less points than Rotherham. I think they yeah, got ele- yeah, they got yeah. ele- that was the season they got eleven points. And I remember <laughs> Hamu Boatza scoring the stupidest goal ever because he had a pretty much open goal to aim for. It was he shot it. It was going miles wide, but it went in between former Fulham player Dean Leacock's legs and into the goal. Unfortunately for Derby, and that pretty much relegated them. Didn't they have an Argentine striker who came in randomly for that second half of the season and scored a brace? Yeah, Villa, I think his name yeah, was. Yeah, that, that was it, that was it. Yeah. Not David. Yeah. No, no not <laughs> Ricky. Yeah. Or Ricky, yeah. <laughs> We relegated Norwich as well. It, that oh, game that we won 6-0 at the Cottage, and they came out fighting for their lives and... Papa Booba Diop had a one-man masterclass yeah. and like literally ran the show from start to finish, and then curled in a real like peach of a like a, a soft. Kick. It wasn't even like a hammer. He literally just curled one top bins, and you're like, well, I mean, who knew he had that in his locker? <laughs> <laughs> Why was that? That day was was crazy because I mean Norwich were all out. They had like three or four golden chances yeah. before we had nothing, and then all of a sudden Booba Diop, boom. Dean Ashton 
had a really good chance. I remember. Mm, yeah. I remember, and uh, we had a very good save from whoever's sticking in net at the time. Oh God, who would that be? Niemi. Yeah, yeah, probably anti Niemi. Um, crazy story I heard about that game. I don't know if it's true, but it's a great story anyway. Uh, a Fulham fan got offered, uh, and I think he accepted it. Um, I think f- something 1, like... 1500 quid for a ticket. Yeah, like a lot of money. And yeah. I think over 1000 definitely for the two tickets for him and his wife or Mrs's tickets. And he was like, uh, yep. And they just went shopping down the Chelsea Road for uh, for the afternoon. Didn't, ma- didn't matter to him, did it? No. I'd take Blimey. that. Well, imagine oh, if you were not. that Norwich fan. That'd be so upsetting. Not only did you see your team get relegated, but you also spent a grand on it. <laughs> oh, God. I feel for him. Someone should find him and get that man his money back. We should have set one of them e petitions. <laughs> Crowdfunding. Yeah, She's exactly. still probably enjoying her Prada handbag that yeah. she uh, she bought that afternoon. So yeah, not easy uh, to face Rotherham. And, and I say a few of those chances, Ben, that they missed in the first half, a really good one. Danny Ward's close range header going wide, and Frecklington had a good long range shot, well saved by Button. He had a he had a good game. I know lots of people were claiming for him to be man of the match, David Button. Yeah, so personally, I think Button had a pretty good game. Um, his um, save from Frecklington was pretty outstanding. Um, I think he's got better and better over the past few weeks. Um, I think there's still a lot to be said for his footwork um, when he's getting the ball passed back to him, and there's a lot of unease amongst the crowd. But I think overall, the command of his box is getting better. Um, his long-range saves are getting better, and his concentration levels have improved recently as well. Um and that's partially down to Slav having the trust in Button that he's had all season. That must feel great for him that he's had some ropey performances, some dodgy moments, and the fans really a lot. There's a lot of fans that like Marcus Bettinelli, and he yeah. must have felt at sometimes like he didn't fully have the backing of the fans. So to have that such 100% confidence from Slavisa that no, you're my number one, is probably done wonders for him now and it's starting to pay off in the performances we're seeing well it would have been easy to drop him as soon as he hit a bad patch of form but I think like if we look at the whole of football now a lot of managers have keep faith in their goalkeepers because if you drop them at the first sign of a clangor then that's it their confidence completely goes and you're going to need some sort of competition there Um, I think the fans were were much much more on his back just coming off the back of Christmas and around the dodgy area um, that we had back in September. Fans were calling for him to go completely. Um, but I think him and Bettinelli are so so very close in terms of technical ability that it would be impossible to choose one over the other. But I'm glad Slav has had to do it, and I haven't. Yeah. So I think Button's kept us in a lot of games that people don't give him credit for, and especially the games we've you know drawn or, or won one nil. And you know, especially if you think back to Leeds. You know, he made a couple of great stops first half when, you know, when it was 1-0. And, you know, at, at that point, that looked that game could have been killed off at halftime if we had 2-0 down to Leeds. And I think that he's not given the credit he deserves. Yes, he's not the, you know, the world's most assured goalkeeper, especially with the ball at his feet. But he has made a lot of very, very good saves, mm. especially just, you know, in the shot-stopping role. And he's also just, you know, come on leaps and bounds in terms of claiming the ball and things from, you know, difficult situations. And I really think that he's grown into it and we are not giving him the kind of genuine acceptance of that. And people are still going, oh, I don't feel comfortable. I, I've got to pass that. Mm-hmm. I've got past the point I don't feel comfortable with David Barton. I think I'd rather have him in there. And, you know, we've been saying this for a while, but 
in terms of what he brings to the team and what he brings ahead of Bettinelli, I think he's a much better shop stopper than Bettinelli. And I think that he is rightly our number one and deservedly so. And I think we need to get off his back now. Yeah. The, the one that really sticks out to me, the, the example going on from the Leeds one, was the Brentford one. We could have quite easily been equalised against. And he made two very good saves. The one-on-one, one, which was... I mean, it, it's a better serve, save than it actually looks because the he stays big. He does absolutely everything right. And... It was a great save in the end because it was it was a going in it was a good finish um, and if that goes in then you would have we the said moment, the, the momentum, momentum was yeah, with yeah, them at the time and that was the only time they had momentum anyway and I think what actually also brings to the team is how good he is when he does claim the ball he's immediately looking for a pass but his decision making isn't the case of I'm going to ping it straight away because you know there's only one man up there or whatnot I think that does bring a lot to the team. There's something else on this. I think is is interesting because, you, like you say, when he gets when he does claim it, he look he, you can see him looking for the pass, yeah. but more often than not, he doesn't make it. Yeah. And I think that's because the options aren't on mm. all the time. And I think if he caught the ball and you know went to went to ground and it rolled around and then got up and passed the ball passed the ball out, people would be less on his back. Yeah, because it looks like he hasn't made a decision. But what I think he's doing is looking for it every time and not finding it and therefore has to play safe. Yeah, and it's also how quick he does it as well. Literally, as soon as he gets it, he's, you know, it's like as if he knows he's going to catch the ball straight away and he's already thinking, thought about what he's going to do next. Yeah, yeah like on the contrary to my earlier point, actually out of his hands, kicking out of his hands, he's actually pretty good and especially with those early options, he's pretty, he, he's well adept to, you know, hitting those flat, long balls yeah. out, to, out to wide areas pretty quickly, but on the floor, he's still a little bit questionable. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, he's not he, by no means perfect. We're not here, you no, know, no, this isn't the old yeah. David Button fan club. I just think he doesn't get the respect he deserves for the amount he's come on over the course of this season. Yeah, Luigi Bouton. Correct. I love that name. Uh, Fulham missed uh, a few good chances themselves as well, which included Chris Martin fluffing a very, very simple chance. He was free on the box, and there was Tom Kearney's ball from the left-hand side. He just seemed to take his eye off the ball at a crucial moment, a little bobble. Um, sent him the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting, though, to see him get the full 90 uh, against against Rotherham. Uh, that was the first time he'd played the full 90. Oh, no, he's only played once since the Burton game, played the full 90. So I know that partially might be because of Derby on Tuesday, but it could mean that we really are starting to see old Chrissy Martin back in favour towards this last few games of the season. We have been calling for him to get back into the team you know, full time for a little while now, um, because we've always seen. You know, when we've played well, he's always been integral. In the team. Yeah. yeah, he's been integral to the way we play. Um, so I'm really glad to get him a full ninety. Because remember when he first joined, it was so obvious he was so lacking in match practice, and we were like, "Oh, I don't know whether he's good or not." But when he's full flow and fully match fit and ninety minutes week in week out, he's, you you know, doesn't need me to tell you what he brings to the team. I tell you what, he looked a bit ponderous first half and he did look a bit, not heavy, but like that he was a little bit dragging his feet and then he missed that chance and after he missed that chance, he was probably our best player. He, you know, held up the ball really well, linked up play really well and he went over to the fans at the end and and, and like full out flat apologised and was like, I don't, you know, I missed it. You know, it's okay. We haven't, but he he went over to apologise and you know, that's not something you tend to find with someone when we've won. You know, especially because the rest of them would have been celebrating. To to go over and acknowledge that you made a mistake mm-hmm. and to take, kick on from a mistake that can obviously lose your head and obviously he would have got booed, you know, when that happened and, you know, you know what we're like. 
but <laughs> <laughs> royal we. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, that's not me. <laughs> I'm going to put it out there. But no, you know what people are like towards Chris Martin, and when you see that kind of miss, which was, you know, was a, a bit of a sitter, you know, for him to, you know, kick on from that and really, really push on in the game was really nice to see. And I hope that we we see him again on Saturday. That's probably his first chance he's missed for a long time because generally nine times out of ten when he gets a chance he scores. Yeah, can you remember oh, early doors in the season when he like he he missed that chance? Remember against QPR, mm. he was he went round the goalkeeper yeah. and it was that open goal. Like, Did he pass it? Yeah, he passed yeah, it. He yeah. passed it to Piazon. And yeah. or was but it he's come along, One of the two. Yeah, I thought Piazon passed yeah, it to Martin. Been, yeah, Martin, yeah, yeah, Martin yeah. slams it into the side netting. Yeah. But he's come on a long way uh, yeah. since those days. But just hasn't found that rhythm in the side, really, since about January, February. Well, it's a simple fact that if we're going to get into the playoffs, we need goals. And there's one guy that provides goals, and it's Chris Martin. And if I think that without him in the lineup or without him in the squad, it detracts some sort of goal-scoring ability. And whilst we can score a lot um, using this strikeless formation that we've been using the last few games, I think that Chris Martin gives us a really good focal point. And especially coming up with these big, important games, he's been probably he's been there with Derby the last few seasons, albeit they have bottled it. Yeah, there or thereabouts. But, he, but he's got them up there mm. um, almost single-handed with the amount of goals he scored. And I think we need to realise that if we're going to get there and like we have now, but stay there and make a mark in the playoffs, that we're going to need someone of his calibre playing for us week in, week out. Interestingly, do we think that Slavisa will switch it up and go strikerless against Derby? Or do we think he'll put Syriac in as a like-for-like? I think we'll probably end up seeing some sort of strikerless slash fluid front four formation from him again. It seems to work that way when Syriac plays, that he's a bit adaptable, that he can sort of come in and out, and it is that fluid front four or five or ten. Yeah, sometime. fluid front seven. I guess especially <laughs> without having Martin there, he mm. has only really got one out-and-out striker available to him, which is Syriac. So I could see Slavisa going for like the strikerless formation at the start, Cabano... Um, heading up the attack, yeah. if you like, because that gives him the option to bring on Syriac. Yeah. But if he starts with Syriac, he's then kind of got nothing else on the bench that can get him out of jail. I mean, unless as we went the other way round, unless we went for the same sort of tactical setup as we did against Newcastle, where we go strikerless again, but this time with Sass playing left wing, mm. sort of helping Malone out because he's going to have Tom Ince running at him for the whole 90. That's scary, isn't and it? I don't know about you, but yeah, I don't feel entirely comfortable with that. So I'd quite like to potentially to have a look at that same formation again. Um, maybe that's something we can make a mark with. And then should we get one or two up when we... or Perhaps even if we need to get a goal, we just change it up a little bit and bring in Syriac. And back to uh, the Rotherham game, just to... Finish off. Uh, Luco's goal <laughs> eventually went in though after four or five attempts, and then Fulham managed to keep it pretty tight after going one nil up. Which, uh, as I mentioned before, a nice contrast to the games that we've faced in the last couple of weeks against Blackburn and Wolves. I know we were never in the lead against Wolves, but certainly against Blackburn, we struggled to keep it tight and keep things yeah we just under looked, control. Yeah, look really leggy and really open against Blackburn, but this game was quite the opposite. And I think that even though it is against Rotherham, albeit they've lost 30 games this season and are already down, um, it's a good sort of indicator that we can perhaps keep a clean sheet in these final games and then into playoffs. We did a lot of huffing and puffing, uh, I think. Uh, but once we scored it all started to become a little bit easier. And, you know, a lot of people said that once we went into the lead, it didn't look really at any point ever in doubt that we could see that kind of game off. It was almost like the Rotherham game came at the right time. 
yeah. wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, we did need to get those. They did seem a little bit nervy at the start. Mm. Maybe we just needed to knock the nerves out of us before. Well, they would have watched Wednesday bottle another. They would have they would have known that a win would put them in the playoffs. And I think that yeah. maybe the fact that we're there now will ease those nerves. I don't know. I don't necessarily, if I was to put money on it, I'd probably say it won't. I'd say it might make them even worse. But, you know, at least yeah. we've broken the barrier of actually getting into six. So if, that's a start. If you were Slavica, would you have let the players watch the Wednesday Barnsley game before before the game on Saturday? Just out of interest. Would you have let them? No. I would, would yeah, let them, I, it, I would. Well, it would have been too much of a... They wouldn't have been able to go and warm up and stuff. Well, there wouldn't have been enough time. I don't... I think you're looking at it maybe a little bit too, like, <laughs> literally detail. I mean, you're just asking in theory, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Like, so in theory, I would have let them do it if we had time to go up and warm up and okay. blah, 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 straight. I was saying, like, down the local pub. I would have probably yeah. told them the score. Yeah, I'm I'd let them worth the lo- watch the last ten and just get the Angus McDonald moment. Although yeah, that would be quite funny to actually see, like, in the dressing room moment where the Angus McDonald's goal goes in and see if they go mental or they go, oh, look at that. Yeah, I'd have been tempted to say, just let them know the score. Just uh, let's not let's not watch it. Let's not indulge in someone else's game when we've got our own uh, game to focus on. If it was another evening, if it had been like the Friday night, I would have obviously like gone. Yeah, come on, lads, let's watch the Sheffield Wednesday Barnsley yeah. game. But I think on the day, um, notwithstanding obviously that maybe actually there wouldn't have been time to watch it at that time. But yeah, some, I, I wonder if that, you know, it, it takes away from what you've got to do if you spend time watching and analysing someone else's a football game. Also, Jokanovic made a point in his post-match interview, I don't know if anyone saw this, but his actual quote is, we tried to be focused on our job and thinking about what we can do. We weren't thinking about Sheffield Wednesday or about any other teams. Our focus is on us in this crucial part of the competition and just getting as many points as possible for us. So, so I imagine no. I imagine <laughs> yeah, absolutely no there idea. Answer to the question. Theory, but here's a picture of Slavica down the local walkabout with a pint in his hand. <laughs> <laughs> and it all being on the floor after <laughs> Angus McDonald <laughs> scored that 93rd minute equaliser. Slavica has an Angus McDonald tattoo. Now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nicely bringing me on uh, to our next topic which is a little bit uh, looking into Sheffield Wednesday the way that the games have opened up and we discussed the playoffs at length uh, maybe coming on to a month ago now especially after the Newcastle game um, and yeah as we said Sonia Luco may have been the man to spark some celebrations from the Fulham fans on Saturday uh, but we should also be very grateful to a certain Angus McDonald some terrible defending from Sheffield Wednesday and he bundled the ball into the net sparking wild celebrations at Oakwall and also in the concourse uh, at the New York Stadium and we finally leapfrogged our Yorkshire rivals into sixth spot and, and the way it's opened up now it is looking like a straight shootout between ourselves and Sheffield Wednesday for that sixth spot. Norwich lost again. Uh, Reading beat Leeds, which means it looks like those three are kind of just now battling for who plays who uh, in the playoffs. Would you agree that you can't really see anyone else being dragged into the sixth, seventh battle mix, apart from maybe Derby? Oh, that's literally what I was going to say. I mean, if Dar- I mean, not that I want it to happen, but if Derby win tomorrow i mean that mean that puts them only four or five points behind us in sixth place do you know who i kind of have a little bit of worries about aston villa six from seven and two mm. points behind derby county and you know what if they're if they carry on i think they might be sli- i've left it slightly too though that they're, they're 10 points behind us it's not beyond the realms of it's impossibility. Not. And they are they are playing some really quite <clears throat> since Brentford. They lost 
3-1, I think, to Brentford yeah. at, at Griffin Park. And since then, they've come on leaps and bounds and it all seems to be starting to click into place for Villa. I don't understand how we're discounting Norwich, but still have Derby and Villa as threats. Well, oh, I mean, Norwich not, are above them in the table. I'm not discounting Norwich, but they did lose again at the weekend. But they could just as easily yeah, make, they're not make on, up that ground. Agreed, but they're not on like a, a run of form in the way that Villa are. True, but they could pick up. Well, of course. I mean, <laughs> I mean realistically, anyone from 16th <laughs> upwards can, can get in the playoffs. But I'm not Rotherham. That, I mean, <laughs> what I'm saying is that. Discount Rotherham, it's way too early. <laughs> <laughs> I think Villa are the form team in that kind of bit of the division. This is the thing. It's crazy to think with so few games left that we've. It's like four or five teams over one place, isn't it? It's crazy how the championship has worked out. But you would season. be safe to agree that it's it's looking most likely, if everything goes yes. to plan, yeah, that it yes. probably will just be ourselves and Sheffield Wednesday in mm. the mix. There's a five-point gap to Preston. You'd imagine that with seven games remaining, you, that would probably be okay. You know, I'm touching wood here and being like, <laughs> you'd, you'd hope. Yeah, you know, yeah, anything can happen, obviously. Well, let's hear now from uh, Chris Holt, who is a Sheffield Wednesday correspondent for the Sheffield Star. Uh, and I started off by asking him a very similar question. Does he see it being ourselves and Sheffield Wednesday in a battle for that sixth spot? I think so. I think it's maybe a bit too late for the other teams. Although you can, can't really be certain, but I, I, I think... It, it's probably going to be Fulham and, and Sheffield Wednesday for that for, for that final place. I certainly don't think Wednesday shown enough form to be able to creep further up. The way they're playing at the minute, I certainly can't see them rising up to fourth or anything like that. And um, how big a body blow was it on Saturday when Angus McDonald scored to get that equaliser? Do you think that would have been pretty hard uh, on Carlos and the team? It felt a bit like a defeat, I must admit, because they didn't play particularly well uh, and... Uh, uh, admittedly, Barnsley did more than deserved to get a draw from the game, um, and and so they didn't play particularly well. But it looked like they might just hold out, and then they conceded, and so it just will have, like I say, it felt a bit like a defeat, and it it will have knocked them a little bit. Um, I don't know how much it's going to hit them in terms of how they how they react to it. But I guess one thing is, I mean, when I, when I thought about it last week about the two derby games coming up, obviously Barnsley and then Rotherham tomorrow night. I thought if they got four points, it wouldn't be disastrous. But I think the manner in which they conceded might just knock them a little bit. And it's really difficult to say at this stage. Plus, I am a little bit concerned about having to play Rotherham. I know your boys played them at the weekend there. Um, from what I can gather, they put up a bit of a fight for an hour at least anyway. Yeah, they were very impressive on Saturday, Rotherham, despite them just not getting that decisive goal, really. How do you see the remaining fixtures playing out starting with tomorrow's game at Rotherham well tomorrow's game is absolutely crucial most teams would see as being an easy three points but Rotherham are down now the pressure's all off them they've got their local rivals coming they, they could just go out and have an absolute blinder here they, you know they haven't had much to shout about all season their manager will probably say to them look go and give those long-suffering fans something to cheer, something to have, that they can just have a smile on their faces for one one night at least. And they will be really, really up for it. So I'm a little bit concerned about, um, from a Wednesday point of view, I'm a little bit concerned about tomorrow night. Should they get through that, then obviously they've got Newcastle next week. You would like to think, Wednesday played very well against Newcastle at St James's Park, and they seem to 
set themselves up really well to sort of just sit back, allow uh, Newcastle to come at them and soak up that pressure and hit them on the break. I should think that that's probably the way they'll play again. They, they make it a draw. I can't see them beating Newcastle. And then we've got after that Cardiff, I think, after that. And then Derby. Basically, every game has its own problems that come with it. You've got you've got teams where you don't quite know what you're going to get from them, like Ipswich and Derby and QPR. And then your boys. So that was that was my final question, Chris. Do you see sixth place being decided on that final game at Hillsborough in May? It could be huge. I think it will. I I, I think um, without having seen Fulham, but looking at the results, you look like you're capable of dropping points as easy as picking them up and Wednesday are exactly the same. So I'm sort of getting the feeling that it could be a case of one week Wednesday, you know, say for instance tomorrow night, you could p- perhaps drop points against against Derby who you don't know who, what way they're going to be and then and Wednesday win tomorrow night but then obviously Wednesday could drop points on Saturday and Fulham, you know, pick up pick up points in that game. So it, I can see it just being a little bit of to and fro for, for the next few weeks and until we get to that stage where there'll probably end up being a point or two between them. Either, either way, whether it be Wednesday or Fulham actually in the sixth place. And then I honestly do think it'll come down to that very last game, which, as you say, will be absolutely huge. Well, Chris, uh, if it does end up being uh, a battle in that uh, final game, then uh, we'll get you on the phone then. Yes, no problem at all. So that was Chris Holt from the Sheffield Star who covers, I think, most Sheffield Wednesday games uh, home and away. So he sees an awful lot of them. Uh, And he sees it being pretty tight going into these final seven games. And he reckons uh, we'll drop points. He thinks they'll drop points. And he thinks it could be a bit of toing and froing until the end of the season. Uh, Just looking at their upcoming fixtures, they look about as difficult as ours really there's not too much between them as far as I can make out what do you guys think it's literally a down to the wire situation I think that's how it's going to play out there like you said the remaining fixtures are comparable to ours there's none of them that you can say would give them a really easy ride other than perhaps Rotherham but in that case like he's just said the pressure is off them they're just going to go out and play however they want to play and it might may cause them a few issues I mean, we've still got Villa, Huddersfield, Brentford and obviously Wednesday left and they're four incredibly tricky fixtures. And Norwich. And Norwich Norwich as well. So it's not going to be an easy ride for us. And the more I'm now confident we're in the playoffs, the more I think we're going to bloody drop points, which is not great. Uh, But Rotherham could be a a tricky test for them tomorrow. Now they are relegated. It wasn't exactly a breeze for us on Saturday, uh, far from it. Uh, and there There's is a moment of magic from Aluko that settled it. Yeah, exactly. Well, worldy that was. <laughs> <laughs> magic Sonny Aluko, classic. But they will give them a test tomorrow night, one would imagine. Yeah, well, I mean... There are no easy games in football, lads. <laughs> <laughs> How many cliches can Jack put in one game? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but, you know, like, like you said, it's a derby game and, and Rotherham have nothing to lose. So why wouldn't they go out and try and give Wednesday a game? In fact, the best that their fans can now hope for, you know, is actually ruining one of their rivals' playoff chances. In the same way that Brentford's going to be a horrible game at points for us because all they've got left to play for is ruining our campaign. And imagine how much they'd love it. Like, just, I I don't even want to really talk about it. I guess one thing with us over Sheffield Wednesday, it it can't be discounted, our massive goal difference Mm. 
advantage over them. Is that 11 goals between ourselves and Sheffield Wednesday? Um, the which, dream would be going into that final day with a three-point three, three point advantage and like a 10-goal goal different swing, so you knew it was going to be a happy day either way. <laughs> well, or just a four-point advantage. You'd start getting a little yeah. bit nervous at three or four nil. Okay, a 12-goal advantage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm getting at. Stop it. Leave me be. I saw quite uh, an accurate description uh, from a Sheffield Wednesday fan on a forum earlier. It was called uh, Seven Cup Finals and a Quarter Final effectively oh sorry six cup finals and a quarter final remaining in their season i quite like that description of the sheffield wednesday game as a quarter final effectively to get into the playoffs yeah, really the nice. semi-finals yeah really well phrased yeah. whoever you are yeah well, well, that's he was referring to the rotherham game <laughs> <laughs> that's a little bit harsh yeah. sorry mate it's not worth any points or goal difference though i'm afraid no 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 so two games coming up for Fulham in the next week uh, Tuesday sees us travel to the IPRO to face Derby County they're under their third manager this season in Gary Rowett they've gone through Nigel Pearson and Steve McLaren they had only won once in 10 games before Friday's home win over Queen's Park Rangers uh, but it's Gary Rowett's third game in charge it's, it's looking difficult again we seem to have faced another team at a bad time yeah, and QPR are no pushovers at the moment. They're in a really hot vein of form. And for although they did have a couple of very, very good chances towards the end, the Silla missed a sitter, hit the post. Mm. Um, but yeah, Derby looked like they've got something about them again, which is not only slightly frustrating for us, but also they're slightly below us and, and still knocking slightly on the door. So I don't like that game at all. I don't like the fact that there's so much tension around it after this season. And I just think it's one of those ones where, again, they'd just be so happy to derail our season after all the bad blood that's gone on you know, between the two clubs. And I think it's going to be an incredibly tough game for us, regardless of the form that Derby were in before or after Rowett's appointment. But if Rowett is a, a fantastic manager at this level and could have taken Birmingham much further than they deserve to have, have been originally. But... It's going to be, like I said, an incredibly difficult fixture for us to get three pointers out of. And I think it depends entirely on the selection that we put out there and how confident and up for it we are from the first whistle to the last. And I mean, a lot of times, especially after the second half, we come out and we look very lacklustre and we look potentially open. So if we get a goal behind, it instantly becomes a mountain to climb. But we're very good away from home and I will back us to the hilt. Can we make a request of the club to set up a Chris Martin cam to see how he reacts to all the goals <laughs> and everything that happens in the game? I wonder if he'll be there. I guess he probably will be, won't he? Well, he'll always certainly be there. Also, I know what's going to happen. Is, do you know earlier in the season when we went to Wolves and there was that really nice video of Richard Stearman coming out and giving all the lads like a high five? Yeah. Watch when that happens and everyone goes mental about Chris Martin. Like, <laughs> yeah. you see it happening. Everyone's like, oh, he hates the club, he hates mm. the club. Uh, it's all right, lads. He's allowed to say hello to his friends. He's not allowed to play. <laughs> There's going to be some spice in the game, though, tomorrow. I feel like it's been a big talking point between Derby and Fulham fans. And also, I feel like Gary Rat's been quite clever. He came out um, after the Queen's Park Rangers game and said Derby are very much in the playoff race, yeah. which may be slightly overstating their position. They're still quite far behind. But he's obviously said that just to give the players a real carrot for Tuesday's game. Absolutely. Um, make no mistake about it. I still think they are slightly in there, especially after that win against QPR. It's a very impressive win, I thought, because as Jack said, they're hot on form. Um, and I mean, it, they're probably thinking the same way, that they're chasing sixth and they've got a chance to make sure sixth doesn't pick up any points tomorrow. 
and for them to gain three massive points against them. So hopefully that doesn't happen, but, you know, it, they're going to be well up for it. This is probably going to be their last chance to actually really go for it fighting. Do you think I'm right in saying that the first goal... Um will be very crucial in terms of the way of the confidence, not only for Fulham, but also for Derby. They, If they get the first goal, their tails will be massively up after Friday's victory. But this is still a side that's only won 1 in 10, whether, they, whether they've got Gary Rowett now or not. If they do go down at home in front of their own fans, they might be thinking, here we go again. This is going to be the same old Derby that's been struggling for the last few months. I would say probably not, but only because I'm thinking of the reverse fixture because under similar circumstances, both teams were on pretty good form. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of anticipation around the game, similar circumstances, both teams going for the playoffs. You, uh, the game in December, this is. Yes. Yes. Um, and Derby went 1-0 up, uh, although oh, by a mistake by Sigurdsson. Um but Fulham came back fighting and deservedly went 2-1 up. And then I just remember the second half being an absolute barnstormer of entering football and lots of chances either side. Yeah. And it showed that the you know the confidence was flowing through both teams and it wasn't through bad defending or anything. I mean, the, the goal that we conceded was terrible defending all round. Um, but it just shows the confidence going through both those teams at the time meant that it was just a great spectacle of, uh, spectacle of football and it could have ended up a win for either side at the end of it. So perhaps we could see a similar contest tomorrow evening. Gary yeah. Rowett's never lost a game against Fulham. Interesting. An interesting fact for you. How many times one, have we played? Four, one, two, drawn two. Well, we haven't beaten Birmingham have we, since we came down. Well, that's probably part of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With one club. <laughs> uh, and then um, Ipswich at the Cottage are on Saturday. Uh, ben, you saw Ipswich earlier this season. You were the only one out of us that made it up there on mm. Boxing Day. Kudos to you. Uh, the Tractor Boys have drawn nine out of the past 12 games. Now, it's a game that Fulham will expect to win. Uh, and you'd have thought three points is fairly essential. Um, but the lads may be a bit nervous over a repeat of what happened against Wolves and Blackburn as in an easier team coming to the cottage. And this is clearly a team that knows how to shut out games, as their recent form suggests. They shut out games because they have to, because they've got nothing further up front. They, I mean, they're playing with probably one player that um, puts, him, puts the team on his back in, in Tom Lawrence. Name, yeah, yeah, he scores yeah. some absolute pearlers. Yeah. He scored maybe four worldies in four he's, games. Yeah, he scored, season, he didn't scores he? a lot of goals. Um, currently on loan from you know current champions Leicester, so he, he's one to to watch out for. But I think in in the reverse fixture on Boxing Day, the one that I attended, he was very very quiet. Um, it was actually David McGoldrick who came on as a second half substitute who gave us the most uh, the most problems. But Ipswich are really good at playing very narrow and very compact football because they're very limited to what they can do with the squad that they have. I feel like the game will probably be exactly the same um, at the cottage, but I think we have enough to edge it. And we showed on that day, even though we didn't play particularly well, that we can win in tough situations. Um, I mean, Fulham reverted to like a 3-5-2 formation on that day. And that's what eased us past um, Ipswich because we just crowded out the middle. And I could see us doing sort of the same thing this time around to get the win. Um, but Ipswich, as you've said this before on the podcast, don't do a lot of con- they don't have a lot of consistent results, do they? Well, they didn't used to 
Now they just draw all the time. Mm, now they just draw. <laughs> yeah. They're making up for it. Because yeah. was it something that I think earlier in the season they went 26 games without having a consecutive result, either two wins in a row, two draws in a row, or, or two, two losses in a row, which is a stunning record. And now they're really making up for it. But unfortunately for uh, fans of Ipswich Town, it's just draws and not... Uh, uh, and not wins. And I think they've overtaken our number of draws, which is one of the highest in the division when I was having a look at the detailed table earlier. You know what? Ipswich aren't out of the relegation mess either. I thought you were going to say out of the playoffs. playoff race. Yeah. I was thinking, goodness Let's me. Let's not discount we... Ipswich. They're 20. And <laughs> <laughs> 12 points off playoff. They're 17th on goal difference. But there's there's a lot of teams scrapping for their lives around there. Yeah. Well, Mick McCarthy did come out on uh, after the game on Saturday after a, another draw going, it's been so frustrating for the past like month or two because I thought, finally, you know, we're looking like we're safe or we need a couple more wins just to get us over the finishing line. And pff, it's just <laughs> they have one come. point, one point, <laughs> one point. When Burton picking up results like a win against Huddersfield and uh, Bristol City beat Huddersfield 4-0, so... It seems like that point in the season, and I think it was, again, Gary Rowett who said this. Sorry, I know I sound like uh, basically just re-spieling everything that Gary Rowett said in the last 48 hours. <laughs> but he said there isn't much point going for a draw at this stage of the season in any games. And I think that's going to be the case with a lot of teams we face, apart from maybe Ipswich, who seem to love it. On our final run, and we don't have any teams that actively fighting for their lives down at the bottom and or fighting to get in the uh, into the playoff race unless Huddersfield somehow implode over the coming weeks and then fall down into fourth or fifth. Um, but other than that, I think we've just got teams who are going to be playing quite freely because they feel like their season's over. Other than maybe Villa, who Jack seems to think are going to go up by the playoffs. <laughs> Automatic, I don't like it. Automatic promotion. Okay, well, before we end uh, this week's podcast, uh, we've got a few emails uh, in the email corner, Jack. Uh, can you check the post bag, please? See what's uh, see what's coming in. We do. We have a really good question. Oh, we've got another one. Oh, sorry. We've got an exciting one which I haven't read. Here, let's do this one live. Hello, Fulhamish Pod. This is from Joshua Zayner. Curious question and a little forward thinking. <laughs> Assuming Fulham win the playoff and are promoted into the Premier League. Are we going to win the Champions League in three years' time? Yes. Yeah. Who do you see on this current club being let go? Oh. Okay, interesting. Wow. Who would be going like in that the because it's not who's good enough for the Premier Who yeah. would actually be out of the squad? <sighs> Oh, wow, that is That's really caught us off guard. Um, Great question, well, Josh. I'm guessing the Sean Kavanaghs of the world are probably been looking for a club. Cameron for... Burgess probably, probably, probably move out of the way. Not in the CDM role next year. Yeah. <laughs> I think Slav would try and keep much of the nucleus of the squad. Mm. He'll probably try. But... He has said he wants to keep Parker another year, regardless of where we are. Yeah. Sigurdsson. Sigurdsson, Sigurdsson is probably going to go. Yeah, I could see him. Hopping off somewhere. I could see Tunnicliffe going. Sorry, Thanos, Jack. Thanos Petsos. <laughs> might have to leave. It's been such a successful loan move. <laughs> Crawley might go. But out yeah. of the like, regular, let's say, 14, 15 players that are starting this season, I would possibly say there'd be a few players that I think might not get in to a first-team squad. Yeah, I couldn't see Malone. Maybe both the full-backs. I think, you, I think we'd stay with the right-backs because they're incredibly... They're, they're a decent competition for each other. Yeah. But okay. the left the left side of our defence is... Cess is a great talent, but he's not quite ready yet. Yeah. Whereas Malone is... If you want someone to try and score for 90 minutes and in your left back, then 
Malone's the perfect fit. But if you want someone to defend, then we're going to need to upgrade him if we go up. So I think he'll be let go. Do you think Chris Martin would be kept or made an attempt to weirdly sign from Derby? I don't even know what the latest is with that. But you can't see him, if we did go up, any attempts to try and sign him with what we need in the Premier League anyway. Just had this image of Chris Martin on the 31st of August driving up and down the M1 constantly trying to see (laughs) which one wants him. He's just going to stay at like tip shelf, isn't he? (laughs) Um, Can't wait for a glorious return of Stefano Okaka to Craven Cottage from Watford. Obviously, Yozabed will come back and dominate the midfield. There is one thing we've got to point out, the amount of loans that we do have at the moment that maybe Slav thinks I've got to keep quite a lot of my players because quite a few of the... Starting eleven are loan signings: Callas, Chris Piazon, Piazon, yeah, uh, Chris Martin, yeah. He's probably thinking to himself, "I need these other squad players to to be around because they're the one that's got, that's got us up." Great question, Josh. Yeah, nice Thanks, last Josh. minute one there. I've got a really good question. I really like this from Jack Kelly, and he says, "Dear Fulhamish Pod." We'd like to mention the relationship between the players and the fans. It seems to be a special relationship this season. Players seem to be interacting with the fans via social media or often in person. From Kearney's £3 thing with the, with the little kid to players catching the same trains as away fans. All bodes well for team spirit and feel-good factor. Cheers, Jack. I really like this. I think it's a really important point that no one else has raised. And I think it's really important and really good. I do. I, I do think it's important for players to try and bond with the fans a little bit you know it is a give and take relationship the, the fans do have to be kind of supportive at, you know most of the time at least um, and you know sometimes it can be difficult for players to find a way of interacting with fans because you know they're, they're all different range of human beings they're all there to play football doesn't mean they're all the same people so it can be difficult for them to find a way to positively interact with the fans but it does seem to be that this this year is a is different, doesn't it? It does feel like the the players are starting to find a way because they have that team spirit. So they don't they don't have to worry about sort of inter- They can worry. They don't have to worry about interacting with each other. They can sort of go and speak to the fans as well. But that just comes probably from the winning feeling. There were some really nice social media posts this weekend, not just about the winning. I don't know if anyone saw Luca's video of Scott Malone uh, winning like the dressing room challenge. Oh yeah, so now oh, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there, there's a couple today actually on the way to Derby of um, Kenny in one, one doing a sweepstake of the yeah. Masters and Ryan Fredericks playing blackjack with Scott Malone. And it was like, you know, one of those things that's just quite nice to see. And, you know, someone like Steph, obviously, who's not from the same kind of culture, was mad in for the Masters draw. He was like ripping up the things with Kevin McDonald. I was like, it's nice to see that, you know, even if, you know, you don't have to be best mates to, to play football on a field. But at the yeah. same time, like, it's nice to see him getting on. It's in just a, that in, a, it's, in a wider kind of sense. It is good that it takes that, you know, extra five, ten minutes a day just to put out the odd thing here and there. Does probably does do a lot to kind of build that relationship. Niskan's Cabano, if you haven't got him on Snapchat, get him on Snapchat. He's well funny. He, his name is like he's, Schaefer7 or something like he's that. He's got his um, own website, Niskan's Cabano. You can um, send him a little email if you just want to get in contact. A lot of it's in French. But you can find the contact form nice and easy, and just you know, just drop just drop Neeskins your thoughts. I've been sending him quite a lot of Snapchats. He has opened a few of them. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a weirdo with have our you, players, um, man. Have you sent him a Snapchat of your flag yet? Get his opinion. No, on I it. will do. He's Cabano ninety two. If anyone wants to add him on Snapchat, uh, Jack's got Honestly. a new flag. Can, do you want to get the flag out? Just just to show us boys in the studio again. All right. No, it makes me feel sick. While Jack's doing that, on a serious note, though, in. In a in a football world where getting in touch with your heroes and seeing what your heroes do on a day to day basis is 
increasingly difficult. So for us to have that snapshot into what they're doing into their daily lives and to give those kids some sort of insight into what they do is just fantastic for us. So we um, record this uh, in the Magic FM studios, and right now Jack is defacing it with his latest purchase, uh, which uh, must having have... trouble in. Uh, yeah, he is really struggling it. to. Well. The studio is rejecting his terrible flag. So he's got uh, an Irish flag, because um, Jack's Irish, as you can obviously tell. Uh, <laughs> it's about as Irish as Andy Townsend. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it says Collins Gallagher on it. Oh, we don't know who Gallagher is. It's the guy from Shameless. I was going to say, it's either that or the guy from Oasis. I'll, hold on. I'll take a photo. Should I put it up on the... Yeah, take a photo and we'll put it on the Fulhamish pod and you can, you can rate what you think. And it says London Irish Whites on the bottom. London Irish is a rugby team. No, I I'm from London. It certainly does, it certainly does explain Irish. his questionable views on football. Um, but Jack has got a problem. Uh, it, he didn't get a fire safety certificate with his flag, which I haven't personally got a problem with, but he won't be allowed it in a stadium anytime soon. If anyone knows how it's you get... It's also too big. No, seriously, I'm going to raise this properly. If anyone actually knows how you get a fire safety certificate for a flag or has one, you know, go and spare that, I could sew on to my flag. I used um, to work for a flag maker. And Ben, I know people, Jarman, <laughs> coming in with another one. If it... It has to have it on a standard. You can't just get one afterwards because yeah. it has to be fire retardant to, be, to fall in line with EU regulations. No, it is fire retardant. I got it from France. But it's, um, yeah, well, it's made of a fire retardant. Before or after Article 50? I, look, it's, 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 it's a pre-Brexit flag. <laughs> leave Article 50 out of this. Um, but yeah, Did I, you have to smuggle that in from Ireland through the, through the Irish border we now have? Yeah, look, if anyone... You know, why are you supposed to have weather? If anyone has one of these little <laughs> sticker things that I can stick on my flag, then I'd, one out, yeah. on I'd be. No, you have, it has to be made of material. Isn't it? I tried. There isn't any. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, that'd be great. But please do send your flag to um, Niskins, Jack, as you seem to have some relationship with him on Snapchat, and, and let him know uh, what he thinks. Tell him it's the Ivory Coast flag. He's not from the Ivory Coast. I'll send it to Syriac upside down. Hang on. There is actually another question in the post box and this one's from peter hucker okay i'm a huge fan of the podcast but not a big twitter user so i was wondering if i could leave a question for the fulhamish boys which of our loaded out agents do you see breaking into the fulham side or even the match day squad next season cheers peter i like this i like this question a lot jack grimmer so let's have a think who out who is on loan who is potentially even close to the first team squad at the moment so i'm not talking about like someone from the under 15s or something like that. So there's Corley Wood, Jaron Lassavig, and Christensen on loan Hossabed. at Burton. Hosabed at Celta Vigo. Um, Jack Grimmer, as you said, where is he on loan? Shrewsbury? Shrewsbury. Shrewsbury. Yeah, I, think, I think he's been. Uh, no, 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 let's, let, no stupid suggestions, Jack. <laughs> you just suggested Jack Grimmer. <laughs> Legend. <laughs> Sean Kavanagh. Um, no, there's actually some. There's one more. Um, Richard <laughs> Stearman. Um, Donnelly. Stearman. Stearman. Richard Stearman's at Wolves. Stearman's at Wolves. Yeah, definitely Stearman then. I think there's definitely a future for Lassavig and Christensen, 100%, I think. And he's done great things at Burton since going there. He's um, been involved in a lot of goals and they've had a real upsurge in form since both Lassa and Corley have got into the cyber. From what I've heard from Burton forums, Lassa has been a huge part of that as much as Corley's grabbed a bit few more of the headlines with some of the goals. Um so if there's anyone, I really do genuinely think Lassa has a future uh, within this squad and he might yeah. have got the pickup in confidence that he needs. Yeah, as a man for a soft spot with the Nordics, I do hope uh, Lassa comes back into the squad. But as mu- also, as much as it pains me to say it, 
I think that agent Woodrow could come back and grab a few goals next season. I think if, if we're in the don't championship, up, yeah, yeah I think if they, we're in the championship, I think the Woodrow could do a job, and he's gone and proved what many of us, you know, suspected, but you know, was never really given the chance. He's gone and proved that he can score goals at this level, given a run of games, and I think that that has to be considered for next year. But I think it's going to go one of two ways. I think if we can't see him as our main striker, he will go because. Mm. He's he's now proved if to himself, if no one else, that he's good enough to play yep. at this level. And then he will have to make a decision based on his future. The other person I was thinking of that we couldn't get the name of was Stevie Humphreys. Does Stevie Humphreys have a future in this club? Probably. Yeah, well, we just signed a long-term deal before he went out, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. But there's, I think there's quite a considerable gap between him being first team ready and then him smashing PL2. So it's a case of where do we loan him again next season to make sure that that development stays on an upward curve and that he's going to be ready for the championship in 18 months to two years. He hasn't actually done that well. Well, um, I'm looking he on... He scored a couple of goals. Yeah, he's been uh, sent early off as doors. well. He, he got sent off and he scored and got sent off in one game, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but he hasn't... Yeah, he hasn't he hasn't set the world on fire in the way that a lot of people said he was going to. There's in, a in huge difference. But, huge, huge, yeah. huge difference between playing reserve team football in PL2 and actual playing first team football in either League One or League Two. It's a huge um, divide that the FA is trying desperately to close, but it won't close anytime soon unless the structure of the league is changed. Mm. Uh, yeah, uh, Paul Hurst, the uh, Shrewsbury manager, actually uh, came on record uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, to say that he does really rate Stephen Humphrey, sees him more in the super sub role. Uh, at the moment, says that he's maybe not quite strong enough uh, to be starting. Mm. But, you know, that's that's a decent progression for someone that was only playing reserve football to then be coming on playing, uh, is it, League One uh, football and getting a couple of goals, like it seems like that. That's that's, that's very impressive, I think, yeah. for Steve. And I think yeah. he definitely will be here for a while, the medium to long-term future at the very, very least. So... Okay, well, thank you very much for your questions this week. Don't forget, if you want to get involved with some questions next week on the podcast, uh, you can always tweet us at Fulhamish Pod. Uh, we do see pretty much every tweet that comes in. Or you can email us and we'll definitely see it, pod at fulhamish.co.uk. Or editor at fulhamish.co.uk if you yeah. want to speak to me Jack's- personally. <laughs> you set up your own little domain. Jack, set up his own email address. For one, if you want to abuse him personally, you can do it you there. You can do it there, yeah, feel free. Um, yeah, he was very uh, he was very adamant he needed his own email address. So that's... <laughs> Look, some of us have got to run a team of writers. I don't know what you're doing on that email address. I just hope you're not just doing any illegal activities I, I over think, there. I think I prefer you should have secretary. <laughs> no, excuse me. Thank you. I have not have all of these roles for myself. Thank you. So, Secretary Jack or Editor Jack, whatever you want to be known as... Uh, what is the title of today's podcast, please? I did quite like uh, Drew Heatley's Tuesday's episode. has to be titled, I Want to Six You Up. And I also enjoyed your response of sexual feeling, Sammy. But you know I'm a sucker for a play on a nickname. So I'm going for Milling in Sixth. Okay, is this in relation to... Rotherham being the Millers, yeah. Uh, it's <laughs> very it, nice. Yeah. You are very good at this title job. Thanks, mate. You're not so good at designing flags. Or setting up uh, email addresses. <laughs> I'm actually excellent at both of those things. <laughs> but you're very good at choosing podcast titles. So milling in sixth we're going for, are yes, we? Yes, indeed. Okay, well, um, thank you very much for listening to today's episode. A little bit rogue in a couple of places, especially the flag segment. 
uh, but I hope you enjoyed it. Please feel free to keep sharing uh, the podcast uh, on social media and also any forums that you're part of as well. Please keep spreading the Fulhamish word. Uh, we'll be back next week discussing uh, two very, very big games uh, away at Derby and then we're back at home uh, against Ipswich Town on Saturday. We're looking at both those games in detail. Will we still be in sixth? We will have to wait and see. But until then, boys, Farrell, Ben and Jack, thank you for being on tonight's podcast. Thank you, mate. Toodles. See you in a bit. Goodbye. If I'm honest, I haven't got a fucking clue about butter. Um.